you have your Bibles, turn with me to Genesis chapter 3. Genesis chapter 3. This morning, you will be hearing from a few of our mothers, and you'll have the opportunity as they share of what God is doing in their lives. But I wanted to read to you about the first mother ever. And uh, before I do that, I found a story in the news in the Duluth Tribune. said this, uh, Janice Lewis of Staunton, Wisconsin, probably won't be nominated for Mother of the Year anytime soon. Her 13-year-old son had talked to her about robbing people. At first she discouraged him, but then she changed her mind, and she agreed to drive him around while looking for a victim. They found a man at a car wash. She asked her son if he really wanted to go through with it. He said he did. So being the mother that she was, she instinctively told him to be careful. She's going to go hold up this man, and she's telling her son to be careful. The boy approached the man with a gun and demanded money, but when the victim realized that the boy's gun was actually a BB gun, he knocked it out of the boy's hand, chased him down, and held him down until police arrived. At first, Janice denied being the boy's mom, yet we continue with good mother decisions. But the police knew that she was lying. She finally admitted that she helped her son commit the robbery. Why did she do it? She told the police, well, it was something that we could do together. Nothing like robbing people for quality time for a mother and a son. So on those days that you think that maybe I'm not the best mother in the world, if you ever think you're the worst mother in the world, you're not close yet, all right? You're not sending your child out to knock people off and then denying that you own them. Maybe some of you have denied that they own it. You've denied that you own them, but I uh, just thought I'd try to at least let you know on those tough days that uh, there are people out there that are having a lot tougher time and not doing nearly as well as you are. Of course, Eve, which the word literally means life or living, uh, means that in verse 20 of chapter 3 of Genesis, says, Adam named his wife Eve because she would be the mother of all living. She would be that of living, of life. And the Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and his wife and clothed them. First we see that Eve uh, was a mother, that she was the one who provided life, who gave life. And want to remember what, I, that, what that means. Not only do we physically give life, but we give life uh, emotionally, socially, spiritually. want to encourage you as mothers. And even, because, even though Eve sinned, and we see that coming from uh, verse 6, we transfer on over to verse 21, and we see that God provided a cover for Eve's sin and for Adam's sin as well. He covered her mistake. Didn't mean that there weren't consequences, but he covered. He still cared. And then in verse four, chapter four, verse four, one, Adam lay with his wife Eve, and she became pregnant and gave birth to Cain. And she said, "With the help of the Lord, I have brought forth a man." And later she gave birth to his brother Abel. With the help of the Lord, I just want to remind you as mothers, uh, and those of you who have impact over children. Maybe you're a grandmother, maybe you're an aunt, maybe you're a Sunday school teacher, that it's not all about you. You are a huge primary impact uh, factor 
influence factor. But, you know, it's not all about you. It's with the help of the Lord. And here's the real truth. We've all seen it. Sometimes mothers who really don't instill that many values and who make a lot of mistakes, sometimes their kids turn out pretty good. And sometimes godly mothers who pray for their kids continually, kids take a hard left at some point. And that doesn't mean that you have made a mistake. That means that at some point we have to give them over to the Lord. And just like you didn't bring them here on your own, you won't be able to fully raise them and develop them, particularly in spirit on their own. There will be some choices that they are to make. But what you are to do and what you're commissioned to do is to bring life, to expose them to the truth, to expose them to our God, to care and to love and to pray, and to hand them over to God, much like Hannah had to do with Eli. And at some point, we trust God with our children. And we recognize that there comes a point where we can take a little more credit than we deserve, whether it be good or bad. At the end of the day, He's sovereign. He's in control. He rules. And just remember, you didn't encourage your child to stick someone up. Okay? So that's my encouragement for you today. Now, we have some ladies who have some real wisdom for you, and I'm going to invite them to come at this time. And so uh, I'm going to ask for Kathy Dunn to come. After Kathy comes, then Melissa Pierce, and then Katie McBride. It's the spring of 1991, and I'm the divorced mom of a five-year-old little boy. I've been asked to leave a job which defines me, a job that has been my escape, my addiction, and my God. I've poured my life into that job. The friends I had have disappeared. I have no husband. My family is 800 miles away, and I'm too ashamed to admit defeat to them anyway. The thing upon which I built my security, my identity, and the only thing I'm good at is gone. I feel like a complete failure. I failed God. I failed at marriage, failed at work, failed at life. I walked away from God shortly after high school to follow after the things of this world, and now the things of this world are walking after me, or walking away from me. Real panic set in when my thoughts turned to my little boy, Justin. At this point in my life, I had broken most of the Ten Commandments in one form or another. I didn't know if there was an unpardonable sin, but I knew I had probably committed it. I went to bed every night hoping that I didn't die in my sleep because I knew God wouldn't have me. I woke up every day believing he was through with me. When I thought about Justin, it scared me to death to think he might end up like that, end up like me. What chance did he have? I was raised by God-fearing, Jesus-loving parents, and he was being raised by a failure. I decided that that if I did nothing else for the rest of my life, I had to at least give him a fighting chance. So I enrolled him immediately in a church program. Parents of new children were required to sit in on that first meeting. During that first meeting, the teacher asked the children to name the strongest person they knew. Predictable answers. My dad, my big brother, Superman, me. The teacher asked, do you think your dad is stronger than God? Do you think your big brother is stronger than God? Do you think you are stronger than God? All the kids snickered while the teacher read from the Bible. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. No one can snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given to me is greater than all and no one can snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and the Father are one. 
On that June 16th in 1991, God reached down out of heaven and reminded me that no matter what I had done or how far off the path I had traveled, I belonged to him and that not even I was strong enough to take myself away from him. The following week, I went to church because I wanted to for the first time in years. The sermon that Sunday was taken from Isaiah 54, and I felt God speaking directly to me. You will forget the shame of your youth and remember no more the reproach of your widowhood. For your maker is your husband. The Lord Almighty is his name. The Holy One of Israel is your Redeemer. He is called the God of all the earth. For a brief moment, I abandoned you. But with deep compassion, I will bring you back. In a surge of anger, I hid my face from you for a moment. But with everlasting kindness, I will have compassion on you. Though the mountains be shaken and the hills be removed, my unfailing love for you will not be shaken, nor my covenant of peace be removed. All your sons will be taught by the Lord, and great will be your children's peace. You will have nothing to fear. I have been in love with Jesus ever since, and in the fall of that year, my Justin accepted the Lord and was baptized. Fast forward to the present. I've been married today. I've been married to the man of my dreams for almost 11 years. And in addition to being Justin's mom, I'm stepmom to three boys. Eleven years doesn't sound like a long time, but I believe the Lord multiplied those years and has blessed these stepson relationships beyond anything I could have imagined. While I cherish different things in and about each of these stepsons, my relationship with the youngest of these boys came easily. From the very beginning, my stepson Matt claimed me and my son Justin, Justin as his. He was thrilled to finally have a little brother, and he seemed to have no difficulty loving me and, was, and surely had no difficulty expressing his love toward me. He isn't afraid to be himself with me, and he makes it easy for me to be myself with him. I am his stepmom. I am his family. He made me his family. Twenty months ago, he also made me a grandmother. Not a step-grandmother or grandpa's wife, but a grandmother in every sense of the word, even biological. I couldn't convince Matt and Amy that the baby had my feet, but they knew it was true when I told them that she had my heart. Matt My daughter-in-law, Amy, and my precious granddaughter, Rory, were living with us for a time early last year while they were building a house and while Matt was attending law school. Matt would come home around 3 o'clock every day and talk to me about school, his friends, being a dad, anything. He loved to talk. Sometimes I thought my eyes would glaze over listening to him, but I really loved it. It was like having a school-aged child in the house again. A hug in the morning before he left for school, hugs in the afternoon when he got home, first thing when he got home. A little snack, a little conversation, and then homework. I knew it was temporary, but it was such a blessing. And looking back, I can see how much of a blessing it actually was, and am awed again by God's great love for me and his tender, loving care of this mother's heart. One year ago last month, Matt died. And in January of this year, grief being the difficult painful and confusing process that it is, our beautiful, broken-hearted daughter-in-law severed all ties between us. The grief over these losses sometimes feels like what I imagine hell to be. I would like to say that I have remembered all the lessons God has taught me over the years. I would like to say I have remained faithful, trusting, and obedient, but it's not true. During the last year, I have sometimes forgotten God's promises. My faith rises and falls with the pain in my heart. 
My trust in God sometimes falters with fears of what the future holds. At times I felt like giving up and that the best of my life is over. Some of my time has been spent on my knees in anguished prayer with hands folded in reverent submission. But more than I would like to admit has been spent with my fists clenched and my feet defiantly planted or else running after some distraction to make the pain go away. And most of the time when I'm leaning on Jesus, it's because I'm exhausted with the hard work requiring grieving and I can no longer stand on my own. This chapter of the story God has given me is still in process. I cannot see what good will come of this, and I do not understand. But based on my experience with God, I know there are great and wonderful things he desires to bring from this, things he longs to show me. Through these two vastly different seasons of motherhood, one a season of great gain and the other a season of great loss, there is one thing I have learned which has that staying power I told you about. Without a shadow of doubt, I have learned that it is not my obedience or my faith or my trust in him or the quality of my prayer life or my deep, deep love for Jesus that that makes me secure in him. It is not anything of me or from me but only his love for me that saves me through this life and into the next. Let me close with these lyrics from a song by Sarah Groves. I loved to sing them to Justin when he was little, and I love them now that I feel God singing them to me. You will lose your baby teeth. At times you'll lose your faith in me. You will lose a lot of things, but you cannot lose my love. You may lose your appetite, your guiding sense of wrong and right. You may lose your will to fight, but you cannot lose my love. You will lose your confidence. In times of trial, your common sense. You may lose your innocence, but you cannot lose my love. Many things can be misplaced. Your memories will be, may be erased. No matter what the time or space, you cannot lose my love. You cannot lose. You cannot lose. You cannot lose my love. Thank you. Good morning, and happy Mother's Day. My mom's back there somewhere. Um, You know, it wasn't too long ago that um, Mother's Day was not very happy for me. Um, In fact, it was really my least favorite of holidays. I remember sitting in the pew year after year on Mother's Day, and the pastor would have all the moms stand up and be recognized. And I couldn't stand up. And I wanted to so badly. And I remember year after year, the little usher would try to give me a flower. And I would say, no. No, not this year. No. And it really broke my heart because I wanted more than anything to be a mom. And I was mad and I was bitter at God because that was my plan. I mean, I was going to be a wife and a mom. It was kind of an old-fashioned plan that I had, and and, um, it it wasn't working out. You see, Jerry and I had been married for four years when we began to try to start our family. And after about a year or so, I began to wonder if something wasn't wrong because we had no results. So we went to the doctor and had test after test done. And... They were all normal. 
the doctor would come back and, oh, it's fine. Well, let's do this workup. And everything was always normal. And my friends would say, oh, Melissa, that's good. Everything's fine. You're just too worried about it. And that was very frustrating to me because then it was, it's my fault. I'm just too worried about it. I just want to be a mom too bad. And I remember reading 1 Samuel chapter 1 where Hannah is crying out to God. I used to read it all the time. I would just over and over I would read. And it says in 1 Samuel chapter 10, it says, In bitterness of soul, Hannah wept much and prayed to the Lord. And she made a vow, saying, O Lord Almighty, if you will only look upon your servant's misery and remember me. And then later on it says, I have been praying here out of much anguish and grief. And I remember just consistently, persistently crying out to God. I was so bitter, but I knew I could still pray to the Lord because Hannah was bitter. It said that she was bitter and she still went before God. And so I continually went before Him. Well, after about eight years of marriage, Jerry and I decided maybe we were supposed to adopt. So we went through the process and the paperwork, and we got on the waiting list, and we had the home study done, and we saved money because it was expensive. And we, um, we had everything ready, and we were waiting. And a year or so went by, and we still never got a phone call. And I remember that my heart began to get a little uneasy, and I thought, you know, Terry, maybe we should take advantage of some of the medical technology out there. We hadn't tried anything like that. And so we prayed about it. It was a very hard struggle because we didn't want to play God. We didn't want to make something that wasn't supposed to, to happen. And I didn't want to be Sarah and create, you know, a mess and try to just because I wanted something so bad. And so... We prayed through it and decided that, that we would go ahead and, and do it. And um, I remember going to the doctor and him saying, you know, Melissa, this doesn't always work the first time. Usually it takes two or three times. And Jerry and I kind of looked at it. It's like this was our only chance. We'd save this money. We knew we weren't supposed to borrow, so we just um, knew this was it. If this didn't work, I don't know, we weren't probably going to have any children. And you know what God did? He gave me a baby for the first time. And He didn't just give me one baby. He gave me two. And He didn't just give me two babies. He gave me a boy baby and a girl baby. And so He had done exceedingly and abundantly more than we could have ever asked or thought. And I remember walking out of the doctor's office and I envisioned this moment in my life a thousand times when I got this positive pregnancy test that I would be, you know, hooting and hollering and shouting hallelujahs, but I wasn't. I was so humbled. I remember walking out and Jerry and I just bowed our heads. And I said, thank you, God, for remembering me, your servant. That's all I could say to him was, thank you for remembering me. Because something I had learned through all this is that I was not the creator. I was created. And he could do with me whatever he wanted to do. 
He didn't have to do this for me. And so I think there's probably two things that God wants me to communicate to you today. And the first thing is that you may be bitter and upset with God about something. Your plans and your life may not be going the way that you you want them to. You may be wanting a baby so badly and, and you're not able to have one. I just want to encourage you to continue to bring your petitions before the Lord. Even if you're bitter and mad, continue to cry out to God because He does care. He is concerned and He does have good plans for you. And secondly, I know that we're so used to being honored as moms on Mother's Day. And we're used to honoring our moms and giving gifts and cards and flowers, and we should do that. But at some point today, if you're a mom, get on your knees and thank God for the awesome privilege it is to be called mom. Because children are truly a gift from God. And I want to end with a verse that Hannah She gives a praise back to the Lord after she has Samuel. And it's a very simple verse, but it's really one of my favorites. And it's it's chapter 2, verse 2, and it says, There is no one holy like the Lord. There is no rock, or there is no one besides you. There is no rock like our God. Thank you. My name is Katie McBride, and I never met a Mike I didn't like, but boy, my heart is really beating hard. (laughs) I'm the proud mother of two children. My son Corbin is 12, and my daughter Riley is 10. They are the best gifts I've ever received, and I think most moms would agree with me when referencing, referencing their own children. And although the diamond earrings that Kevin, their father, gave me on my first Mother's Day are amazing, They don't pale in comparison to the gems given to me by their Heavenly Father. When Ron asked me to speak about how God has worked in my life as a mother, I was humbled to think that he thought enough of me to ask me to speak to all of you on such a very special day. But, you know, really, the Lord knew that I needed to think about how God made Mother's Day possible for me, not that I made it possible for me. I don't think I'm alone when I tell you that I truly thought today was, you know, all about me. Funny you said that, Ron. I'm sure I'm not the only one in this room that feels like today should be all about me. But after I started praying about what God would want me to share with you, about his work in my life as a mom, you know, it totally took the focus off of me and put it back on him. And really, isn't he the source of my being able to celebrate this day anyway? He used my body to bring two miracles into this world. How can I honestly take credit for his work? There are many attributes of God that I've experienced during my lifetime. But one attribute of God that I didn't fully comprehend until motherhood was unconditional love. God is love, and he loves me unconditionally. That is how I love my children, but I didn't fully appreciate the magnitude of God's love for me until I had my own children to love. And I've loved many people deeply in my life, my mom and dad, my siblings, my husband Kevin. But there's a difference that you feel for your children. And I think that that's a gift that God wants us to know because it shows us 
how much he loves us. If you were to ask Corbin and Riley how much I love them, since they've been toddlers, their response has been, as high as the sky, as deep as the sea. I've told them that for a very long time. And daily, God shows me the heights and depths of his unconditional love for me. They know that's how I feel, no matter what. And I know that's how God feels, no matter what. Now, you know, God beats me hands down on the slow to anger thing, as we read in Exodus 34:6. Our Lord and gracious God is slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. Well, that's why I'm mom and he's the almighty. As I strive to react to my children the way God reacts to me, I do it sincerely desiring to please him and demonstrate complete love for my kiddos just as he does for me. When I think about God exhibiting every fruit of the Spirit while dealing with me and all the silly nonsense nonsense things I do, and there's plenty of those, I'm reminded that he wants me to show the same regard for my children. I know that I disappoint God daily, either through my actions, thoughts, or words. And I'm wowed to think that no matter what I do, if I seek repentance with an honest heart, he loves me and forgives me. And together, we move on. And that's the kind of relationship he wants me to have with my children. So that through those times of disappointment with them, and there are plenty, I can glorify him by being an example of his love here on earth. Galatians 5.22 tells us, The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. God is all of these. The first fruit listed is love and all the others that follow are secondary to and the result of love just between you and me i'm still kind of working on the self-control one but i think that's probably a lifetime project but even as i mess up and god forgives me my children mess up and they seek my forgiveness to me the bottom line is i love them because god loves me and he is perfect love no matter what they confront me with i love them unconditionally and seek wisdom from my Heavenly Father as the ultimate parent. First Peter 4.8 reminds us, Above all, love each other deeply, because love covers over a multitude of sins. I desire to bring God glory as a mother, and for my children to know that Jesus loves them even more than me, which is an amazing reality of his love for us. Many of us know the First Corinthians 13 passage on love because we hear it at weddings. But today I'd like to share this verse as it's translated in the message because it really summarizes what I think should be what I strive for as a mom and as it relates to all of us as we love our children. Love never gives up. Love cares more for others than for self. Love doesn't want what it doesn't have. Love doesn't strut, doesn't have a swelled head, doesn't force itself on others. It's always, isn't always me first, doesn't fly off the handle, doesn't keep score of the sins of others, doesn't revel when others grovel. It takes pleasure in the flowering of truth, puts up with anything, trusts God always, always looks for the best, never looks back, but keeps going to the end. Love never dies. I depend on God to fill me with his love and help me show that love to my children. He has given me the most awesome gift to love and cherish, and my greatest desire is for Corbin and Riley to fully know, feel, and understand 
the magnitude of God's love for them because they experience that love daily through me. I'd like to close with a verse from John that encourages me as a mother to love my children unconditionally. John 13:34 says, A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. I am a child of God, and he loves me. My children are of God, and so I love them. Now, I want you to hear from a few mothers this morning from our church. And so first, Tammy Peden is going to come and share. After Tammy, Elena Johnson, and then Donna Fletcher. Tammy, if you would come. It seems to me the two most reached-for items in any mother's kitchen are a telephone and paper towels. Paper towels, especially if you have a 7-year-old like my son, you're always reaching for a paper towel. And on the kitchen counter next to these items in my kitchen is something that came to mind when Ron asked me to speak today. So you might ask yourself, okay, pastor calls, asks you to speak about how you've been influenced by God as a mother, and you think about your kitchen counter? <laughs> well, you see, it's not so much the thing on my counter, but what the thing reminds me of. Because every time I reach for a paper towel, every time I answer or pick up the phone, I see this frame. And it reminds me of what I've been through the past year and a half. It reminds me how God's blessed me. It reminds me how he's changed me, how I think, changed me as a mother, as a wife, as a daughter, as a recruiter, a trainer. He's changed me as a follower of Christ. You see, in this frame is a piece of a pink wristband my father gave me. He wore it beginning the day he found out I had breast cancer. When I'd finished my treatments, when I'd survived, when the bracelet was well-worn and white, as you can see, he had it framed. And on that piece, it says, Think Pink. It causes me to think differently. And I have an acronym for the word pink that I want to share with you today. It's a result of God's way of changing the way I am as a person, my actions, my feelings, and I want to pass it on to you. You see, God not only blessed me with breast cancer, but also with a son who's had a heart condition since birth, a heart condition that required surgery last year. And in only God's perfect timing came after I'd finished my treatments and when God knew I was ready and physically able to face that trial. Through my cancer, through Price's Heart episodes, the thing I've learned to reach for most in the paper towels, it's not the phone, it's God. And this is where my pink acronym comes in. The P reminds me to praise God because everything I experience, every trial I've had an opportunity to face, every moment I spend with my family and my son is a blessing from him. The P also draws me to God in prayer because I've recognized that this is a privilege he's given me, my opportunity to speak with him one-on-one. It's a wonderful, wonderful blessing. The P also reminds me of Paul, who writing a letter to the Philippians in a Roman prison spoke of joy. He specifically used the words, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. And I thought if Paul can do this from a prison cell, I know I can do it from a chemo chair or on the sidelines of a soccer field or when driving down the road with a very inquisitive seven-year-old being asked why, why, why about everything, I'm to rejoice. (laughs) And that brings me to the I. 
The I reminds me that I am loved. I'm so loved that God sent his son as a perfect sacrifice so I could have a relationship with him. I'm so loved that God gave me the opportunity to raise a son. Maybe not quite as perfect, but raise a son. God reminds me of this love and the cuddling that I get, cuddling that I prayed about. I prayed I'd have a cuddler (laughs) when he was in my womb. I'm reminded of this love and the I love you mommy signs that decorate my house. I was reminded of this love as God braced me as I watched that child be rolled down the hospital corridor into heart surgery. And God also reminds me with my eye of how I am to love him with all my heart, with all my soul, and with all my strength. As a mother, I'm to show and teach Christ about this love. As a wife and daughter, I pray my family sees this love. As a recruiter and trainer, I hope my coworkers see God's love in me, which brings me to my end. The end serves as a constant reminder that there's a need out there to share God's love, to share his word, and to share his message with others, whether it be as a mother spending time with Christ, or as a cancer survivor witnessing to other women walking the same path, or as a greeter welcoming people at Rock Point Church or in Uncle Julio's restaurant, God has placed on my heart an awareness, a heightened sense to sense opportunities. He's also challenged me to be prepared and to be ready and willing to respond and to do so, which brings me to my K. The K stands for knowledge. If I'm going to truly love God with all that I am, I have to have knowledge of his word, knowledge of his commandments, and I must pass this knowledge on to others, especially my son and I need to be ready and willing to do so at any time. A recent study in the book of Isaiah hit this home for me. Isaiah recognized his weaknesses. He knew his past. He knew he would face much opposition and questioning, but he responded with, Here I am, send me. He went out with a message for the people to return to God, to repent their sins, and be renewed in the sacrifice of Christ. As I reflected on this study and Isaiah's example, It dawned on me that throughout my life, I've always thought my purpose was to be a daughter or a sister or a mother or a friend. But that's not my purpose. My purpose is to share God's love with others. And it's because I'm a daughter and a wife and a mother and a friend that I have the blessing and the avenue to do so. So I hope the next time you're driving down a road and you see a pink ribbon on the back of a car or notice a breast cancer pin on someone's lapel, or perhaps see a cause wristband on someone's arm, whether it's white or pink, worn with love, you'll remember pink. And you'll remember to praise God, know that you're loved, recognize the need to share his love with others, and strive to have the knowledge to do so. Happy Mother's Day. Good morning. When I was asked to share my story of how God has worked in my life as a mother, I confess I was a bit overwhelmed by that request. Of course, he's changed my life in a million ways since the birth of my two children, who will be five and two in September. But I just could not have one coherent thought on how and what those changes looked like. Now, you mothers out there may attribute that to mommy brain, but truly it is because of the magnitude of what the Lord has done in showing me a bigger picture of who he is. Creator, sovereign, almighty, holy, and wonderful. He has changed my spiritual paradigm since becoming a mother. 
So I asked God through prayer, I said, Lord, if you want me to speak today, you will have to give me the ideas and the words because I have no clue what to say to my church. And because I'm not a Titus 2 woman or a Proverbs 31 woman, but despite that, he faithfully provided me with these thoughts and ideas. When I sit and contemplate the nine months of growth and the birth and the arrival of each of my two children, I'm amazed that God blessed and allowed my husband and I to create two human beings. And I marvel at how cleverly he used one of the tiniest cells from each of us, and those cells multiplied and divided and knew how to form eyes and liver and, and arms and legs, and that he then gives each of his human creations the power to choose him as their creator and savior, but he also gives each the choice to deny him. When my son chose Jesus as his Lord and Savior at the tender age of four and a half years, I was in shock and awe at the transformation from death to life that happened right before my eyes at our dinner table. Did that just really happen at four and a half? But it was then that I realized that my prayers for Brendan's salvation at a young age were heard and answered, and that with God, all things are possible. I could not again put God in a box no matter the size of that box. And that if God could create the heavens and earth by just a spoken word, surely he was capable of drawing this young child to his kingdom. And I cannot wait to see how he will use my son's life for his glory and his kingdom, because I have prayed for years that he would use my children in a mighty way. I also admit that before becoming a mother... I would ponder why Solomon in 1 Kings asked God for wisdom in administering justice to his people instead of some other gift. God was capable of giving him anything. But after becoming a mother, I realized how priceless the gift of wisdom truly is and how I should seek the Lord in everything, even the discipline of my children on a daily basis. And when my flesh wants to wring my son's neck for telling me a bold-faced lie, It's the Holy Spirit that has convicted me to instead do a timeout, to calm down, and then to share the truth of the Bible and show him how in Proverbs 12.22 that God hates lying lips but delights in men who are truthful. And I believe that my daily struggles with disciplining my children are opportunities to pursue God, especially for that wisdom, and for him to shave off my very rough edges to become more Christ-like. And that is going to be a very long journey for me, for sure. (laughs) God has also used motherhood to give me just a tiny human glimpse to see how he must have felt when Christ, his perfect son, died for me on the cross. How he was brutally beaten and crucified for my sins. When my son falls off of his bike, despite those training wheels, or my toddler daughter falls on her bare knees on the concrete, Those small tumbles make my heart skip a beat and my stomach flip-flop. And I rush to them and I comfort them and I kiss away the boo-boos and I wipe away the tears. And yet, because of my sin and a desire for an eternal relationship with me, God just stood by and watched his son be cursed on a tree and die for me. I imagine how he must have ached. And yet as a mother... I now know why Jesus accepted that cup from God in the end. If either of my children were facing death, 
and I could throw myself in front of that bus for them, I would gladly lay down my life for theirs. Jesus laid down his life for me when I was surely going to die from my sin and gave me life everlasting by sacrificing his own. Now these moments I've had and shared with you, these these glimpses into seeing God and my spiritual paradigm shift, uh, don't make me holier than thou. (laughs) And I hope that I don't seem a hypocrite. Some of you have seen my mothering here. (laughs) I fail every day in big and small ways when training up these two children. And some days I think, surely this is the day that will send my son into therapy when he's 30. (laughs) But (laughs) all joking aside, I've never claimed that I am perfect or a perfect parent. Far from it. But I've only believed and trusted in God's claim that he is perfect. And I know that he is using each experience and each day to draw me closer to him and to continue the great work that he started in me. And daily I look at these children and I thank them for the gift. I thank him for the gift. And I pray for them and I pray for myself. I pray for wisdom and patience and love. And I thank God for these words he gave me. I give God the glory. And I'd also like to wish my mother and my mother-in-law Happy Mother's Day. Thank you. Ron is a crazy man. Because I'm a mother of six children. And his wife is crazier because she's met me and she's talked with me and uh, would allow her husband to ask me to do this. This is just crazy. But I do have six children. Uh, By the time I was 31, I had six children that were nine and under. Uh, We've homeschooled all these years. Um, It's been a wonderful, wonderful journey. And I thought this morning I have precious notes, but I got this card this morning, and I wanted to show it to you. It's one of these homemade deals, which are the best in the world. I want to read it to you real quick. This is from Autumn. This is the woman I aspire to be, not the woman that I actually am in my eyes. It says, Dear Mother, Happy Mother's Day. I hope you have an exquisite day with everyone. I love you so much. If it weren't for you, it wouldn't be for me. You are such a treasure, such a gift, such a mom. What would I do without you? One of the greatest blessings us kittens could ever have is having you for a mom. The world is brighter now that you're around. You make it a happy place. Where you go, it sparkles and glitters. Why wouldn't it? I mean, you be there to people glee. The reason why it sparkles and shines wherever you go is because you got what it takes for this world to be happy. I am aspiring to be this woman. For this world being alive in Christ, you're a strong woman of God. You will always find a place to do something. I love you more than the moon loves its stars, more than the sun loves its light, more than the grass loves to grow, more than a printer loves its ink. (laughs) Don't say it. I know what you're going to say. Autumn, you're a toot. Ha ha, very funny. All right, I'll stop. Happy Mother's Day. I love you so much. What can I say? My parents are the pride of my life. I couldn't wait till 12 o'clock last night, but then I was finally there at last, my chance to go jump on the bed. No, I'm just kidding. Ha ha. Got you, didn't I? Nope, I didn't. This is Autumn. I have the greatest, most wonderful mom in the world. That's you. I love you so, 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 so much. The Lord will bless you for all you did for us. God bless you, your daughter, Autumn. 
very sweet words, the woman I aspire to be. They call me to a higher place, truly. These children call me to a higher place every single day. I want to read this one from my 13-year-old daughter. This is her homemade card. Do y'all save these, moms? Do y'all have a bucket that all of these are in? Okay, this one says, Happy Mom, Happy Mother's Day. This is a mom for all of us. This is through the eyes of our teenagers, what they aspire us to be. Caring, alert, watching, listening, acting, stylish, servant, inspire, love, guarding, teaching, preparing, strong, and beautiful. Her daughters. Having said that, whenever my children were nine and under, and I was 31 years old, there were many times where I would sit down on the couch, and I would put my head in my hands, and I would say, there wasn't a woman who lived in the shoe. She had so many children, she didn't know what to do. I did. And then my best friend would call me, and she would say, how's your day? And I would say, there wasn't a woman who lived in a shoe. She had so many children, she didn't know what to do. But the joy of the Lord is my strength. The joy of the Lord is my strength. I have learned that apart from him, I can do absolutely nothing. My nose has been scratched from carpet fibers. Tears when my head was down so far, they ran up my face instead of down. God has taught me that the joy of the Lord is my strength. And being a mother is not always funny or fun, but it is joyful. I'm recently transitioning, and I feel like I'm always transitioning into a new phase with my kids because my kids were all nine and under, and you can tell those kids what to do, and they'll do it most of the times or sometimes or whatever the case may be. But I could keep my ducks in a row, and it's gotten to the place where I can't always keep my ducks in a row. And so I have to really pray. I'm in, a, I'm in a new season where I have to really press in and I have to pray and I have to be wise and I need the Lord's discernment. I need to know how to pray for my children. I need how to know to look at their hearts. I need to, how to know how, I need to know how to disciple them, how to teach them, how to love them, how to nurture them, how to fail in front of them, how to get back up and how to show them how to fail and get back up. <clears throat> I do that all the time. We were in the pool recently, and this was a lot of fun because I saw a shift taking place in my life right here in this little instance. We were in the pool. I wasn't going to go get in because, you know, when you're a mom and you have six kids or you've gone through childbirth, you don't like to go on uh, things that go round and round at Six Flags anymore. You don't like all that kind of stuff. You don't really like Batman. You don't want to get on the Titan. None of that's fun. And so I kind of went through this phase for years where it just wasn't fun to do that stuff anymore. But recently they asked me to get in the pool, and I thought, want to get in the pool. You know, you don't like to get wet. You like to do that whenever you're a little kid. And uh, it hasn't been the most fun for me. But I decided to get in the pool with the kids. And then they were all, we were all in the hot tub because that was the warm place to be. The pool's too cold. So I turned on the hot tub to make sure it was good for me to get in. So I got in and we're all sitting there and they start talking about playing splash. And so I'm getting all into this and I'm thinking, okay, well, what's splash? And at one time they all, there were 10 of them because we had two other friends over or four other friends over, and there were the six of them. There was one of me, however many that is. But we were all in the hot tub. There was a lot of people. There were a lot of people in the hot tub. I was the only adult. And they all started splashing me. I mean, they were splashing. 
And it was five minutes later, and my hands were in front of my face. I was about to drown, and I was laughing. I was having a great time with these kids. Aaron's going to be 15 this summer. Annie's 13, Abby's 12, Autumn's 10, Ashley's 8, Adam's 5. It is a wonderful ride. We were told when we got married by a very precious older couple, they said, put on your seatbelts, kids, because you're going for a ride. At that time, we had an 18-month-old and a little new one. And it has been a ride. It's been full of ups and downs. It's been uh, gentle breezes, gushing storms, gentle rains, highs and lows. Every single one of those things bringing me to the rock that is higher than I. I want to read some scriptures real quick. Psalm 62 says, My soul finds rest in God alone. My hope comes from him. Trust in him at all times. O people, pour out your hearts to him, for God is our refuge. Whenever I'm PMS, and that's when things are pretty messy and sticky around my house, Sean can't fix it. The kids can't fix it. No one can do anything right. I I really don't need to talk to a friend right then. God's Word, the comfort and the counsel of the Holy Spirit through God's Word, sound counsel, it makes me a whole woman, a healthy woman. I don't like to tell mothers what to do. I have done some things right. I have learned how to organize my home. I have been effective in forms of discipline with my kids. I have done many things right. I've done many things wrong. The one thing that I like to tell moms is it's the Lord. It is the Lord. It's his counsel. And it's being a healthy woman, body, soul, and spirit. It's doing whatever you can as a woman, as a mother, to be a healthy woman. Body, soul, and spirit in your mind, your will, your will, and your emotion, because that's what I get to impart to my kids. I'll kind of finish with this: that Ray Vanderlaan in the Faith Lesson series, which we walked through and have had a wonderful time studying the Word together with the kids. He says that a tall mead is one that walks in the dust of the rabbi's sandals. That you walk so closely in the dust of the rabbi's sandals. Because you want to be like him. You want to be with him. And so I started picturing in my mind Jesus' sandals and how close I must have to be to Jesus to walk in the actual dust of his sandals. He wasn't running. He was walking. He went from place to place. But I need to be in his dust. That's my desire. That's my goal. That's a passionate life that I aspire to. I have these children that I have one opportunity to raise and grow. And what I really want to impart to them is the love and the joy that it is to be a Talmud, to be in the dust of the rabbi's sandal. So I'm constantly kicking up dust in my home. Some days I do it with a vengeance. Some days I do it with a lot of love and patience. But I really desire that these kids walk in the dust of the rabbi. I have an acronym, too. kind of made it up myself, but children are without a doubt, a catalyst for change in me. There is nothing that will bring you to the feet of the Lord like a child, like a baby that you love and care for with all your heart. And it doesn't change whether you have one, two, three, four, five, six. We know some that have 11. You never love one less. You never change in your affection for each child. You just love them all. You're desperate for each one. But they are the catalyst for a change in me. It requires something in me to die 
that I may impart the true life of Christ into these kids. So I'm willing to do that. Whatever it takes, I'm willing to do that. Children are always hungry, whether it's cake or ice cream. I've learned that. If I say to my five-year-old, we're having green beans for dinner, sometimes he's not very hungry, but if it's cake or ice cream, he's always hungry. They are instantly humored by noises, mimicking burps or passing gas. Mine are. And we can be in the grocery store aisle, and they're likely to burp or pass gas when we're in an aisle all by ourselves. And so I'm trying to get away while the person's coming down the aisle, you know. It wasn't me. They're darling, especially when they're sleeping. Their cute little noses, their little cheeks and lips. And then have you ever cried watching them sleep because they're so sweet? Or seen a, a little baby laying on a mom's shoulder and you just, aww. But then they wake up and five minutes later you're like, I need a nap. You know, I can't do this. I need a nap. They have rechargeable batteries that last and last and last and last and last. They are the energizer. They are exact many times when they retell what they've heard us say. I have had that happen with my eight-year-old because she's like a little river that just kind of floweth out. So I have to be real careful about what I say in front of Ashley. And they are never, ever, ever too busy to spend time with me. I think that's amazing. I get so busy, and I think, no, I don't want to play Frisbee right now. No, I've got to finish doing the dishes. Well, I've got to do the laundry right now. But isn't it funny that my five-year-old is never too busy. If I were to go say, hey, will you play with me? He's always ready. He's always ready. That's an amazing thing. I was reminded whenever we were singing the song, uh, Praying Me Through, and it talked about a friend praying us through or a mother or a father praying us through. I know that Jesus sits at the right hand of God making intercession for the saints for all of eternity. And he is my greatest intercessor, and he prays for me constantly. He is always making intercession on my behalf. So there is someone, rest assured for all of us in this room, that someone is praying for us constantly, continually, without fail, never forgetting, never blinking, always knowing what our deepest need is, and prays in accordance with the will of the Father for what is for our very best, best benefit. I want to share with you one scripture before I leave because I think it's real important through life that I have direction of the scripture of God so that I know that I know what he's calling me to and that I have his reference point to always go back and say, yes, you're calling me. This is the truth because he's the way, the truth, and the life. Proverbs 24, it says, By wisdom a house is built. Through understanding it is established. Through knowledge, its rooms are filled with vast, rare, and beautiful treasures. That is the scripture for our family. It's the establishment for our home. It's what's going to make our foundation secure, and it's what's going to give us a green tag so that we can build. And for that, I will lay down my life. I will put me aside because there will always be time for me. And I'll do it with joy because the joy of the Lord is always our strength. I do want to say real quick that there are women in this congregation, and I have a, two women that you really do need to know. Tammy and Elena are fantastic. And at the women's retreat, there were so many godly single women, godly mothers, godly grandmothers. It's a great group of women. And men, I just ask you to pray for those women and love those wives and get behind them. They do shine and sparkle. Whenever, um, 
whenever you're behind on my 100%. They'll do it for you too. God bless you all, and happy Mother's Day. We have three women that will be coming to share. Uh, Amy Koch, uh, then Jody Smith, and then uh, Tanya Jones will be coming to share this morning, and they're going to go in that order. And so, ladies, as you come, as soon as the other was finished, if you would just come up immediately. Good morning. Uh, My name is Amy Koch. My husband is Monty Koch. And our son, just a moment, is Eli Koch, who I'm very proud of. Um, Ron asked me to come and speak about how God has used being a mother in my life. And um, I want to share how God has taught me about his sovereignty. Um, There's nothing like going to church on Mother's Day and um, longing to be a mom, and you're not. And um, I know this because I went through that. Um, It's hard. It's real hard. And you don't understand God, and you don't understand His sovereignty, and um, you question. Um, I know this because Bonnie and I tried to make me a mom for several years, and um, it didn't happen. And so um, I was a little confused. God had put a desire in my heart to be a mom when I was just a little girl. My, um, my mom tells me that when I was about three, I got to be in a beauty pageant, which y'all don't have to laugh at that. Um, and when I was in the beauty pageant, the judges asked the contestants what they wanted to be. And most of the children were firefighter, nurse, doctor. But at that time, I even said, I want to be a mommy. And so he put that desire in my heart. And um, when I got married, I couldn't wait to have children. It was, I just was so excited, but it didn't happen that way. It wasn't the way I had planned. Um, I didn't know why. I I still don't completely know why. But I do know that um, God loves me and he has a plan for me. And... um, Romans 8:28 tells us, and we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love Him and who have been called according to His purpose. Zephaniah 3:17 says, "The Lord your God is with you; He is mighty to save. He will take great delight in you. He will quiet you with His love, and He will rejoice over you as singing." And then in Jeremiah 29:11 it says, "For I know the plans I have for you," declares the Lord, "plans to prosper you and not to harm you." Plans to give you a hope and a future. And, um, man, I tried to believe these verses. I tried to live these verses out. But I was feeling a lot like Hannah. And I don't know if you know the story of Hannah, but um, she went to the temple crying in agony. And she was so messed up that Eli even thought she was drunk. And I'm sure people think that about me occasionally. I don't know why. But um, they do. But even that pain and that heartache, I mean, the... Some verses that she said was, um, I'm a woman who is deeply troubled. I've been praying here out of great anguish and grief. And um, I could so relate with that. And I'm sure there may be some women here in this audience, not or whatever, not audience because this isn't whatever. You know what I'm saying. Um, This morning that understand that, that have that same heartache. Please know that God has put other women here to minister to you, that can pray with you, that can love you, and that God loves you. Man, He loves you so much. Well, praying with much prayer and being angry with God and being confused and then much prayer and feeling sorry for myself and being jealous and still with much prayer, God helped me through 
the feelings that I have. And he, I mean, he still com- continues to help me um, because he allowed us to adopt this precious young boy, Eli. And he is incredible. Um, and I, that's a whole other story, the whole adoption process. But I want to share that um, at this time I felt like Hannah when we got that phone call. And First Samuel 1 Samuel I says, I one twenty seven says, I prayed for this child, and the Lord has granted me what I've asked. Um, he is absolutely amazing. This Thanksgiving, we had the privilege of taking Eli to meet his birth mom. And um, Monty and I had met her before when, we, um, when she chose us to be his parents, which is very amazing to me that she chose us. Um, but when we met with his birth mom... <coughs> You could see the love in her eyes for him. It was so amazing. Um, I have a picture of them together. Um, if you know most toddlers, they don't just go to people just out of, you know, they, they want to check them out. They want to see who they are. But he went straight to her like he knew who she was. And um, it was amazing. I didn't feel scared about it. I wasn't jealous about it. Um, I felt quite honored to know her. Um, And I have such compassion and respect for her. I can't even imagine being in her shoes. Um, She has given us her son to raise because of whatever reason. She doesn't feel like she could do it. She doesn't feel like she could be the best mom that he deserves. And um, I pray that I'm the mother he deserves. And I pray that I can that I'm the mom that my mom has been to me. I pray that I will do as Proverbs 22, 6 says, train a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not turn from it. I pray that Eli's birth mom knows Jesus like I do. I pray that I never take for granted the sacrifice that she's made. I pray that I never take for granted, just like Eli's birth mom gave him up, um, that God, on a much larger scale, gave his only one and only son for us. First um, John 3, 1 says, How great is the love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. I know God is sovereign. I don't understand it a lot of times, but I know he's God. I know he chooses things for a reason. I may get angry at him, and I may question him, may not agree with his decisions, um, but that doesn't change the fact that he loves me and he wants the best for me. If I had things my way, I wouldn't have the joy of raising him. I wouldn't even know him. And um, my life wouldn't be the same without the privilege of raising Eli. I also have a new understanding of being adopted as God's child through Jesus Christ. And um, I continue to try to apply this to my life. Um, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him and He will make your path straight. Please know that God loves you so much and He knows what is best for you even when... We don't understand, and even when it doesn't make sense.
And thank you, Ron, for uh, letting me know that I'm not a perfect mom, so I can skip over that part of what I wanted to say earlier. I got a lovely email from Robin, which I unkindly ignored twice because I was panic-stricken to think that I might think and uh, be able to speak in front of a church. I'm used to speaking in front of people and enjoy doing it, but I thought I'm not worthy to do that. So I kindly ignored her emails, but Ron cornered me and said, please just come speak at one of our services. And I said, why? And I think you gave me the biggest honor. He said, you have three great boys. And I'm a little nervous just standing up here talking, but I just wanted to go back a little bit. My name's Jody Smith, and my husband and I have been married for 27 years, which means I'm in my 50s, and I've spent more time with him than I have just by myself. And it's been interesting. We've had four children, and I told Ron that this might be a difficult Mother's Day because 15 years ago we lost our daughter, who was our first child, and this past August I lost my mom. So I was on the pity pot feeling sorry for myself, and you kindly said, don't worry, get off the pity pot, and you can get up there and, and share Christine was our, our daughter. She was born in 84. She died in 1991. And what I wanted to show today is what God did to me after the loss of a child. We had had Christine at seven. Andrew was three. She died in a ridiculous car crash. It, was a, it should have never happened. And it was amazing because we really never blamed God. We didn't say, God, why did you do this? We just lived on faith that everything was going to be okay. It happened in December. It was gross. It was ugly, you know feel bad because it's Christmas time. But God gave us another child. And I just wanted to share with you, one day when I was on that pity pot driving along, I was feeling sad, I'm crying, I'm in tears, I'm looking at my little three-and-a-half-year-old in the car seat going, God, how can I fill that empty hole? And you might all think I'm nuts, but a warm air, it was December, a warm air came through my car. I had a little minivan. And a little red cardinal, and my daughter was redhead, flew in front of me. And that was my affirmation that God was with us. I became pregnant. I was on the pill, so you know something wasn't working there. There was either a miracle, I forgot to take the pill, or something else happened. But I guess I wanted to share a few brief words. I almost feel like I'm preaching, and I'm not there to do that. But when Ron told me I had three great sons, I thought, why? It wasn't me. It wasn't my husband, Steve. In our family, our spiritual life is well-guided by my husband, Steve, who on right following Christine's death accepted Christ as the Savior. He was born and raised in the Catholic Church and never read the Bible because in the Catholic Church up in Chicago, you didn't read the Bible. The priest did it. I grew up in a non-denominational Bible church. So Steve's been our strong spiritual leader as far as Bible reading and Bible studies. Oh, my gosh, the Whitfields are here. Hello, and there's another strong family who've been part of our strong family. And I guess in my spiritual life, I'm more the doer in my family. And I think what God did is he made me realize what we do as humans in everyday walk of life. We strive for things like time. Time's really important. We're always driving. We struggle for money. We struggle for going places. We struggle for doing things. And I think after losing a child and trying to fill that void and having a new one come into your life, you look at it a little differently. And I think things that Steve and I tend to do with our boys is we tell them every day we love them. And I'm going to have a hard time this fall when Andrew, our oldest son, goes off to college because I'll tell you, I don't know. I guess I have to learn how to text message, but I don't know how I'm going to have to tell him that I love him every day because I do that every day. If he sneaks out of the house without me talking to him, call him on his cell phone and leave a voicemail. Now I want to talk about time. Some of the things I think that God has taught me is all the stuff I hate most in life is probably the best for my kids. Any parent, especially moms, hate driving their kids to school? 
Come on. <laughs> I do too, but that is some of the most valuable time. Shut the radio off. Don't answer your phone. Listen to your kids, because even if they're not talking to you, you get to hear what's going on in the back seat. I bet you a lot of us have those really neat bangle-dangled vans with the drop-down TVs. Okay? Don't put the TV on when the kids are in the car. You, you know, leave that for a long trip, because I'll tell you what, we have so little time with our kids, and I think I realize that now that Andrew's going to school. Take that opportunity. We strive for things like labels. When Christine, was, uh, when Christine was killed that year, Steve and I were struggling in our life because we wanted to be self-employed. So what were we doing? We were watching the money. We were watching the time. I remember I came out, and Steve was working in the yard, and I said, we had Andrew and Christine. I said, Steve, I think I want another baby. And he goes, oh, I'm too tired for that. We don't have enough money. There was every excuse. So, of course, we didn't, but we ended up losing our daughter and having David. Um, our children are Andrew, who's 18, David, who's 14, and Chris, who's 12. I love my kids, and they're great. And I'm honored that God gave me the ability to raise them. And I was very honored when Pastor said that I was able to speak up here because I had great kids. But I just say to everybody, Happy Mother's Day to everyone, because male or female, we all touch kids' lives. And I'm a little blabbery this morning because we had prom last night. I'm not sure why the government does this. School had prom. The government had election, and then we had Mother's Day. And we had children over at our house, and we're just firm believers that if we have kids at our house, there's an adult awake at all times, and guess who that was? And being the not-so-perfect one, I showed up at 9 o'clock to talk. But anyways, I thank everyone who's a mother, because man or woman, we all touch a child in some form. And I would encourage people to reach out for adoption because I was speaking with one of our state representatives and he is going to try to start a statewide effort of each church to reach out and try to get one or two children adopted because we have 30,000 children who are without families, who are living in some type of home. So, Ms. Cock, my hat's off to you. It was a great thing to do and I hope that we can encourage others to do so as well. Thank you. I am a nervous wreck right now. Um, Even though I may stand up here and sing before everybody, that's my comfort zone. Speaking, Ron has me way out of my comfort zone. So thank you, Ron, for bringing me out. I thought and thought and thought, what was I going to say? I have three beautiful children, Kiana, which is sitting right there, who's 15, I have a daughter, Lauren, who's 11, and a son, Michael, that's 9. And I asked God to give me the words to say this morning as far as how he's worked in my life as a mother. And I would have to talk about how God humbles us. I haven't always, as Ron said, we're not perfect. I haven't all, I'm not a perfect person. I've made my mistakes in my life. But sometimes I feel that God allows things to happen to humble us, to help us to become aware of what we're not doing and what we need to be doing. My first child, Kiana, which I say is my miracle child because she was born at 28 weeks with only one lung fully developed, and I was not ready for a child at 21. I was like, God, this is not happening. 
I don't want this child. I love you, baby. I don't want this child. I, I can't do this. I am not ready to be a mother. But my life was spiraling in a direction that was not healthy. It was not good. I was doing all kind of things I shouldn't have been doing, running the streets, going to the club. I mean, you name it. Hanging with the wrong people. He put this young lady in my life to slow me down and to open my eyes to see how powerful he is. So when she was born, I saw his hand at work. He brought her home after two months and five days in NICU, weighing only four pounds and half ounce. My bridal, my baby shower was cabbage patch doll clothes and baby doll diapers. And I held this little girl and I said, okay, God, I, I hear you, okay? This is your way of slowing me down. I need to get out of the street. I'm going to be a mom to this little girl and do what I'm supposed to do. Okay, you thought that would work? No. Okay. So went right back to the same thing because I had Grandma. Grandma always had Kiana. So I was like, oh, yeah, I can get out there and start back doing the same old stuff again. Okay, God, yeah, whatever. Okay. He brought a second child in my life along with a wonderful husband. And I was like, okay, all right, this is baby two. I'm on my way to work, but I still wasn't living my life as I should be. And God was touching me on the shoulder again, Tanya, you're, you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing, so we're going to take another step at this. I'm going through an intersection, 7 o'clock in the morning, and I have a head-on, well, T-bone collision with another car. I'm going about 45 miles an hour with Lauren in the car seat. She flies out of the car seat. I grab her. Now, my face hits the windshield. My chest, I had a contusion to the chest. If you don't know what that means, I broke the stern wheel, and my knee was busted. This little girl did not have one scratch on her, not a bruise. That was God's way of trying to get my attention once again, okay? Just the, the power of what he does to humble us, okay? thought that was going to work. I'm hard-headed, okay? All right, yeah, God, okay, you, do, you, you brought me through that, you know, you, my baby's okay, okay, I hear you, yeah, right, okay? Child number three, he brings in my life. My son, Michael. This little boy, I don't know if some of you have heard Tommy's testimony when he talked about our life growing up. We didn't have very much love from our father. And my son goes every day and tells me, I love you. It's not one day he doesn't go by without saying, Mommy, I love you. That helped me as a mother understand. Now, I've always believed in God, and I know God loves us, but I never truly 
took the time to really pay attention to how much he loves us. This little boy brought that to my attention by the fact that he does this every day. And he comes to me and he tells me that. And I said, okay, God, I submit to you. I am sorry. I hear you. You have humbled me. I am yours. I surrender to you. Take me. Use me. Mold me the way you would have me to be. My brother came to me. He said, Rock Point needs your personal praise team. I was like, I can't do that. I'm a baby Christian. I'm still growing. God has allowed me to grow and blossom since I have been here. And with the help of these three beautiful children and my wonderful husband, I am who I am today. Because God has worked through them to humble me. Thank you, ladies. The Bible tells us in Proverbs chapter 31, and uh, men, you, you need to learn this chapter. Women, you too. Parents. Uh, I'm not going to read the whole chapter this morning. I'm going to sum up the last two verses. But Proverbs 31, verse 30 and 31. Charm is deceitful. Beauty is vain. Your translation may say fleeting but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Give her the reward she has earned and let her works bring her praise at the city gate. In a world which magnifies and glamorizes charm and beauty, we are called to be people who glorify the Father in heaven. We are called to be people who impact others for the kingdom of God and show them the light. Show them the truth. No one has a better opportunity to do that than mothers. Second would be fathers. And third would be everyone else. And last would be Hollywood. And sometimes we get that reversed. But what I love about this passage right here, a woman who fears, that word fear means to honor. It means to revere. It means to give the utmost respect to God. And what I've learned in my short 42 years of life is that more of life is caught than taught. More of what I do speaks much more loudly than what I say. And sometimes what speaks to me the loudest are the mistakes and the way that people handle those mistakes. The way that my mother or father handled mistakes that they made. Not that they made them. That's a given. Eve made a pretty big mistake. Kind of sent us all into the sin world. But God used her to bring life, to give life. And He used her to start creation as we know it. He gave Adam and Eve dominion. 
the power to be creative through the power of God to make an impact in the world that they live in. So does He continue to give us that opportunity today if we will remember that charm is deceitful, beauty is vain, but a woman or a man or a person who fears the Lord shall be praised. Give her the reward she has earned. This morning, maybe you're here and you've never committed your life to Christ. Maybe you're far away from God at this point. Maybe you've just taken some time off, so to speak. Maybe you've fallen away. Can I tell you, even if whether your mother is here today, whether your spouse, whether they've gone on, maybe God has taken them on home, can I tell you what would honor their name the most is for you, first of all, to know the Lord, and secondly, to revere Him, to honor Him. I want to give you that opportunity to begin that chapter today. For those of you who've never trusted the Lord, I want to invite you to come and to know Him in realness, to experience grace and forgiveness regardless of what your past has been like. For those of you who know the Lord but you've fallen away, I want to invite you to come and pray and to renew your faith and to start over again.